resume our in-person service as well as our hybrid service uh, since earlier this year. And um, we are currently meeting in MCKL. So if you are down in KL um, for a visit on the weekend and you are thinking of which church to go to, I welcome you to uh, Whispering Hope in MCKL. Just head towards to Methodist College Kuala Lumpur and uh, we are the only people there on Sunday, so uh, you will not be able to miss us. I would also like to really acknowledge the youth today for their hard work. Um, if you don't know, standing up here to lead worship it's a nervous thing, right? Uh, it reminds me of when I was in MYF as well and the first time I led worship for uh, Sunday service. It was a nerve-wracking thing because when you look at the congregation, some people will stare at you without emotions. So, so it's extremely nervous and the best thing to do is just to close your eyes, right? So those were the experiences I had when I was growing up. And I was pleasantly surprised as well by the skit that they did just now. Um, I thought it was going to be a very cliche, you know, MYF, uh, let's come to MYF, come to youth and kind of stuff. But they transported us back in time and took us to when, you know, Jesus was doing his ministry. So really kudos to, to the MYF here. Uh, I don't know. Yep. Let's give a clap and thank God for that, yeah. I have to say, I don't really know... Um, and the, the faces aren't familiar to me. I think it is because for the last two years, there was really no interaction, uh, physical interaction with the young people. So I'm looking forward to this year where uh, camps would resume in person uh, and that uh, we will be able to meet the youth uh, once again. All right, so before I begin, let us go to God in prayer. Father, we want to give you thanks for this morning that as we come to you, O oh Lord, and as we Look at your word. Father, we pray and ask that you will open our hearts, that you will open our minds to receive from you your words of life, your words that bring light, O oh Lord God, into this dark world. And help us, Lord, today to contemplate, to meditate on your words found in Proverbs, that, Lord, to know that you have created us for friendship. Help us, therefore, then, to re-examine our lives, to re-examine how the friends that we have in our lives and also how we are as friends to others so that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now let me begin with a two or three questions here before you. Hold on, let me just get this. Right, so look around you today. Look around you, just, take, just turn around and look at the people beside you, look at the people behind you, you know, that kind of thing. Now, the question, uh, first question I'd like to ask you is, do you have true friends here in Trinity Penang or in your life? Think about that, right? Second question, are you a real or true friend to someone here in this church? Can you look at the people around you and say, you are truly a friend of mine and I'm truly a friend of yours, you know? And thirdly, right, can you, can you be vulnerable and honest to one another here in this community? Some of you have been in this church for many, many years. Some of you have grown up in this church. Some of you are relatively new to this community. But is this a place where you can be vulnerable to one another? 
Is this a place where you can share your struggles, where you can share your joys, where you can share your difficult situations uh, with one another and there will be people there to pray for you, to listen to you, or just to be there with you. One of the sad things about churches is that people dare not open up for fear of being judged, for fear of being looked down upon, for fear of being sidelined. And, and that is not what church is supposed to be. If we truly believe that we are followers of Jesus Christ, as we will see later, the group that Jesus called, it's a peculiar group. It's a funny group. It's a group that is not meant to work. But Jesus made it work. And we will see how he did that. This morning, I'd like to share with you what true friendship ought to be like and why we need friends in our lives. Now, if we think that we can survive without friends, we ought to think again. If we think that we can make, make it through this life without any, having any friends just by ourselves, isolating myself, myself from the world, then we are setting ourselves up for failure, for doom. Because that is not what God has meant for us when He created human beings. You see, when I think about friendship, uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind, for those of you who are familiar with social media, is this. I have two accounts. One is on Facebook and the other one on Instagram. Now, when Facebook was first set up in 2008 and it gained prominence in 2010, uh, everyone was talking about it. It was the talk of the town because at that point of time was where you get your smartphone, right? That was the rise of the smartphone and everything that you can do on a computer, you're, you're most probably able to do on a smartphone at that point of time. So Facebook was the talk of the town. Every young fella was logging on and setting up accounts on Facebook. Nowadays, adults, if you're on Facebook, you'll most likely not see your sons or your daughters on Facebook because they are no longer there. Uh, they are all in Instagram. And when you get onto Instagram, they're no longer there. They are somewhere else. You see, that's how fast times move for them, yeah? And culture changes for them. Um, earlier, I don't know whether you noticed in their skit, there was this word named sheesh. I think you don't know, right? You didn't realize, right? I think who said that? Um, was it Joel that said that just now? Sheesh. That is a language that the young people use today. And it means blood. No, it means ice in my veins. <laughs> okay? We, we say, we, we probably have expressions like, dang, you know, like, oh, wow, that kind of thing. They don't do that anymore. Lah, huh? That's how fast they move forward. So, when Facebook came out, I had this, everyone was in the race to make friends or to have friends on their friends list. And I don't know about you, if you have Facebook, how many friends you have on your list, but I have about 2,000 at this point. And if you ask me whether I know all these 2,300 people, not really. Some of them are my family members, you know, that kind of thing. Who, were, who are my real and true friends? Maybe less than 1% of this list, right? So the question is then, in this era of social media, do I have friends? Does the indicator on my social media indicate the friends that I have? Am I able to call up any one of them at any point of time and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Hey, let's meet up and stuff like that. So definitely, 
we cannot look at our friends list nor our phone book right on your phone and say that I have this number of friends because if we filter it properly we will see that we have very limited people that we can actually call friends so why then is it important to have friends so, uh, today my sermon has three points like a true Methodist I'll give you three point sermon uh, first is why is it important to have friends Second is how do we choose and forge these friendships, right? And thirdly, what empowers this friendship? Firstly, why is it important to have friends? Now, when we look at Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, uh, this is what the author of Proverbs says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So what does this tell us? Now, siblings are there. If you have siblings, and most of us do, we know that our siblings are there and they are for us. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the difficulties are, no matter how much we uh, disagree with one another, when push comes to shove, when we are in need, when we are in a time of adversity, our siblings will be there for us. But here's the thing. Your brother and your sister may not like you. They may not want to hang out with you. you know? I don't know any one of you whether you have really close relationship with your siblings. You can just call and say, hey, let's hang out. Let's, let's go for coffee or let's go for a drink or something like that. Uh, I know I don't do that with my siblings. It is a bit awkward uh, to do that. We usually talk and then sometimes in a disagreement end up quarrelling. You know, kind of thing. But... That's still my brother, whether I like it or not. So, siblings are there, not by choice. You have brothers and sisters in your life, not by choice. You are born into that family, you see? So, they may be there for you during times of adversity, but they may not like you at all, right? However, friends, a friend loves at all times. A true friend loves at all times. A friend is a friend to you and I by choice. You choose your friends. You don't born into, you're not born into friendship. Right? And he or she chooses you to be his or her friend. And a true friend is there with you regardless of your situation. The true friend is there with you at any time when you pick up the phone and say, hey, let's set up a time where we can meet and chat and stuff like that. I have friends in my life that I uh, love spending time with, uh, different friends, uh, different group of friends. Some of them I spend a lot of time talking uh, with concerning things of the Bible, concerning uh, theology, you no know, very nerdy kind of stuff. Uh, there are friends where I usually hang out and we would play some games. Uh, there are friends where I go with to, uh, for sports, for uh, tennis, for basketball, and so on and so forth. You know, so, so friends are there. Friends loves you at all times, your true friends. Now, in the Bible, we have maybe two good examples that we can draw from the Old Testament. First one, we all know Jonathan and David. They were really, really good friends. Uh, if, you, if you have read um, uh, the accounts of Jonathan and David, you'll find that Jonathan loves David and David loves Jonathan a lot. Jonathan would even step aside and not entertain his father's wishes, but to be there for David. Even when his father wanted David dead, Jonathan betrayed the father in order to save his friend's life, right? Secondly, we see Ruth and Naomi. 
And you know, the famous saying of Ruth is, is this, do not urge me to leave you or, or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Now, we all know that Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. But at that point of time, her husband has died. There is no more sons from Naomi to be given to Ruth or for Ruth to be given to the sons. There's no more um, marriage covenant left for Ruth to fulfill. She is a free woman. But yet she looked at her mother-in-law and more than just her mother-in-law, she saw that this person was a friend and she gave her loyalty, her commitment to her friend Naomi. And we know the story that goes after that. You see, true friends stays loyal to one another. They stay committed to each other. A friend loves at all sorts of time, in spite of our many, many failings. So when we go through difficult times, when the going gets tough, does your friendship keep on going? You know, I recall a, a favorite movie of mine uh, that is called Lord of the Rings. I think a lot of the young fellows here may not know what Lord of the Rings is. If you love reading, I would encourage you to go and pick up the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings and to read through them. If you don't like reading, never mind, there's a movie, right? Uh, a trilogy as well. Uh, so there is the Fellowship of the Ring and there is the Two Towers and also the Return of the King. Now, there is a conversation that happened between two characters. Frodo, who was the carrier of the, the barrel of the ring. He was meant to go to uh, Mount Doom to destroy it. And his faithful friend, who is called Samwise Gamgee. Right? So, at this mountain, as they were making their way up into the, the heart of the mountain, in order to destroy that ring that corrupts people, Frodo felt the weight of the ring. He felt the temptation to put on the ring and to, and to use the power for himself. But he was trying really, really hard to resist it, right? It was overbearing for him. And he couldn't go on. He wanted to give up then. then. And so when he told his friend Sam this, Sam Wise Gamgee says this to his friend, Come, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring for you but I can carry you and the ring with you. So up you get. Come on, Mr. Frodo. Sam will give you a ride. Just tell him where to go and he'll go. Just tell him where to go and I will go with you. That is the commitment that Sam had for Frodo. You see, in this world today, friendship is not really cherished. When we talk about relationship, when we look at media, when we look at movies, when we look at even social media or news feed or whatever it is, the thing that is promoted the most is not so-and-so is a friend of so-and-so. It's more like so-and-so is in the relationship, romantic relationship with so-and-so. If you look at the Western media, 
this fella is sleeping with that fella. You know, who is sleeping with who? And, and the craziest hype lately is, you know, the court case between Depp and Amber Heard, if you have not heard about it, right? So, you know, this sort of things, right? These are the things that captures people's attention. Hardly would you find songs that talk about friendship, but you will find songs that talk about romantic, sexual kind of relationship. So the world does not really cherish and understand the seriousness and the importance of friendship. But Scripture teaches you and I that to have true friends, it is, it is important. And it is important because without true friends, we are left alone in this world. So the next thing is that how do we choose our friends? Uh, if you will notice by now, there are some pictures that comes along with my slides. Uh, these are not random pictures. These are pictures of my friends, uh, people that I spend time with, whether... We don't spend time every day together, okay? Just so you understand. We are not obsessed about each other, <laughs> but we are there for one another when we need each other. And so how do we choose friends? Chapter 18 of 24 tells us this, a man of many company or friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, friendship is not made overnight. You can't forge friendship overnight. Friendship is made through the years, the months, the days that you get to know one another, right? And if we surround ourselves, and this is especially important for uh, the youth here, to, today the decision you make to, to befriend someone or to have these friends in your life will shape you for many years to come, right? And if we surround ourselves with bad companies, with bad influential friends, then we will be ruined too. So we need to choose. We need to seriously consider, weigh the, the option before us and choose the right friends. Choose the ones that are more concerned for your well-being than they are for their own. These are the friends that will make you or these are the friends that will break you. Let me give you a short uh, uh, example of my own life. So when I was in Form 1, uh, I transferred from a Chinese school to, to ACS in Sitiawan. And um, I made new friends there. So because I wasn't a bright student, very bright student, so I was in the middle class. Uh, and, and, you know, you have a mixture of uh, studious people and also very naughty people. And so those, the naughty people were the friends that I made. Lah, because it seems cool at that point in time, right? It seems cool for a student to, take, to not tuck in his shirt and, and to walk around or tough tuck in kind of thing. And, and these, these group of friends were, were people that also influenced me in my vocabulary. So my, my vocabulary was flowery. Uh. Let's just put it that, that, right? And my time, because it was afternoon school, so in the morning, my mom signed me up for tuition classes, but I didn't go tuition. I cycled to the tuition center and I detoured. And I detoured to the cyber cafe with my friends, same group of friends, you know. So for, for about two years, that was my life, right? And, and at the same time, I served in church in Sitiawan Wesley. I was serving as a youth leader in Sitiawan Wesley. I was serving as a, as a worship leader in, in the MYF. What hypocrisy. But I didn't know that. I thought I was doing okay, right? Yeah, outside, I have this group of friends. In church, I act like I'm a church boiler, you see? So I, I thought it was okay until maybe about four years after that, 
someone that I befriended in church uh, came up to me. We became close friends. He came up to me one day, and as we were talking about life after Form 5, not that, not that, not that old, but we were talking about life in, in secondary school, and he says this, James, do you remember when you were in Form 2? Do you remember I sat behind you for an English tuition class at night? I said, nope. Same church, yeah? I said, nope, I did not notice you there. He says, do you remember the vocabularies you have in your sentences? I said, uh, normal English? He said, no, you have flowery vocabularies. And so he, he told me that. And he says, do you know that I was really perplexed at how you live your life? I said, how so? He said, well, in tuition, you are like this, you know, all the vulgar words that comes up from your mouth. But in church... Wow, your hands are all raised up and you were praising God and you were saying, you were saying hallelujah and so on and so forth, right? And that hit me like a train. And I realized at that point of time, though I was no longer friends with this group of people, that the decision I made that day to be cool and to hang out with this group of people really ruined who I was or, or, or could have just shaped me differently and you might not even see me today here, Right? But I thank God that there are friends that are closer and that sticks to me closer than a brother would. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend without the ass there. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see, when your enemy comes to you and gives you all the praises and all the beautiful words to you, remember, behind those words, behind those kisses, it's, a, it's an intent of betrayal. It's an intent to see you go down. And when we look at this, the first thing that I think about is when Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Jesus regarded Judas as his friend, but yet Judas betrayed Jesus. So the question is then, how do I make friends? How do I choose friends? Now, we must choose wisely. There is no doubt. And forging friendship takes a lot of effort and time. But there are four areas which I would like to share with you in terms of how we can choose to have true, true friends. First thing, commonality. Common interests. Now, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. The typical expression of, an, of opening friendship would be something like this. What? You two? I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. And I think one of the things that, uh, one of the very common things apart from uh, our job and our faith between me and uh, Reverend Shen is that we both go to the gym or used to go to the gym. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, so working out is something that, that we, we could talk about. Uh, the different workouts and stuff like, what, you two? I thought no pastors go to the gym. But here I found a pastor that goes to the gym. Right, how cool is that? You see, so common Common interest is something that draws us together. When you put two fellas that would not, likely not be friends and would probably not be friends at all, but they love football and they love the same club, right? They become instant friends, you know? They become overnight friends and they can talk to, to each other, with each other until the cow comes home, right? But for us, for you and I, for all of us here, what is the most common denominator the most common interest that draws us together and that should draw us together as friends? The answer is Jesus Christ. 
Without Jesus, you will not be here. You will not be here. Without Jesus, you will not look at each other and say, I regard you as my friend. Secondly, it is hard to cherish the truth. Right? So the second, the second indicator of, of forging friendship is that this person loves truth. And one who speaks truth to you is like one who openly rebukes you because he or she loves you. Not to put you down, but to help you to see your errors so that you can come back to the right path. You see, a friend like this is not afraid to hurt you in a good way. He is not afraid that his friendship with you is on the line because he is more interested in your safety than in his own interests. He's more interested in you not ruining your life than he is to gain anything out from you. He does not sugarcoat his words. He will tell you point blank to you that this is the truth and this is what we ought to follow. He is not one who would tell you to, or who would say popular things to you, right? The world tells us, be who you want to be. Do what your heart desires, what you enjoy most. If we truly follow that advice, the world will come to an end. Your world will come to an end. So, first is common, common interest, commonality. Second, it's a person who cherishes the truth. Third, is a person who is honest and sincere, not seeking his own interests, but the interests of others. One who will not allow you to go down a route of destruction, who will not allow you to do what your foolishness tells you to do, who will call you out to be foolish if he or she sees it clearly. Right? It is like this. The world says, do what you like, do what you love, do what your hearts desire. And if, you know, imagine this, right? If you think to, if you have a friend that thinks to himself or herself and says, I believe I can walk off the cliff and not fall down the cliff. If you have a friend like this, what would you tell this friend of yours? Please, don't be stupid. You will die, right? If you do not care for this friend, if all you want is benefit from this friend, you would say things like this. Oh yeah, I believe you too. I believe that you won't fall off the cliff. If you go off the cliff, you'll be able to fly. You know, and that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But if we find a friend who is willing to put the relationship on the line to save you, if this person is willing to be hated by you because he is being blunt and honest to you in a loving way, these are the people, these are the friends that we ought to hold on to. Fourthly, a person who is vulnerable. A person who is open. A true friend always lets you into his or her life. A true friend is an open book to you. And you ought to then be an open book to this friend as well. Now, is there someone here that, that you could think of that is like this, that fits all the bills here? Is there someone here that you know, you know, like the song of Bruno Mars that says, I will catch a grenade for you, <laughs> you know? 
uh, I will stand in front of a train for you. That, that, that sort of thing. That sort of loyalty, that sort of commitment in that relationship. Is there someone like this here? Are you that person to someone? It is hard to find friends. It is hard to find true friends, guys. Maybe because the reason why we find it hard is because we are not really true friends to others as well. The only way for people, the only way for people to be vulnerable to you is when you are vulnerable to them. The only way for people to be honest to you is when you are honest with them. So then how? Where can we get such a friend? Where can we get a friend that we can trust at all times, that a friend will stick to us closer than our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, our grandparents would ever be? Where? Where do we get the power to have friends like this or to be friends like this? We get the power in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a Bible with you or you can look at the screen here, you can turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, reading from verse 12. Let me read to you. This is my command. This is what Jesus says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13 goes like this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all, I, all, that, I have, all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These, command, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, the point of this saying of Jesus to his disciples is this, so that you may love one another. And in that love for one another is where the world will see true friendship is. You see, Jesus says this, I have called you friends. You are no longer a servant. I do not regard you as a servant any longer. I regard you as my friends. And he says that greater love has no one than this, that he who lays down his life for his friends. Now, right after that, Jesus says, you are my friends. Earlier, if you recall, I told you that Jesus' disciples were an unlikely group of people to ever be friends. You know why? Because you have a bunch of fishermen, common people. And then you have a tax collector, which was hated by all the Jews. And then you have a zealot who was the champion of liberating Israel from the grips of the Romans, right? And then you have Judas Iscariot, right, who loves money and only wants money. You know, all this, this group of people are never meant to be friends under normal circumstances. Yet Jesus called a ragtag group of unlikely fellas to come together. And if we think for a moment that this group that Jesus called, at least the 12 of them, were a happy bunch, think again. They did not like each other. At least James and John want to be first. They were the ones who ran up to Jesus and said, Master, when you've come into your kingdom, may we sit one on your left and one on your right, a place of power. And everyone that heard that weren't happy with the two brothers. 
You see, they were disliked and stuff like that. Yet, right before Jesus went to the cross, this, is, this was his prayer and this was his instruction to them. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And what did Jesus command his disciples? To love one another. The, the source of power for you and I to be true friends to one another is in Jesus Christ. And until and unless we recognize that Jesus is that true friend of ours who loves us at all times, especially the times when you have failed, especially the times when I've sinned against Him and I come to Him and He says, I love you. When, when we come, to, until and unless when we come to realize that Jesus is that friend that sticks to you and I closer than a brother would ever would, ever can. Unless we understand that Jesus is that friend that would, that would receive, that had received the wounds so that you and I may be made whole. We will not have the power to be true friends to one another. On the cross, that was what Jesus did. While we were enemies of God, Jesus chose to be our friend, to take the penalty that was meant for you and I, to take the wounds that was meant for you and I, to take the judgment that was meant for you and I, so that we could receive love, restoration, and friendship. So that you and I today can sit in the holy place of God and look to God and pray to Him and talk to Him like a friend would, like Moses did in Exodus. C.S. Lewis says this. Again, let me read to you. It's not on the screen, but let me read to you. In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years' difference in the dates of our births, maybe, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of our or one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. So look around you again today. There are strictly speaking no chances or, or no coincidence that you are here and that you may be able to call each other friend. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, You have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. So like it or not, guys, one, you may not like each other here very much, some of you. One day, you will be in heaven. You will be in the kingdom of God, Right? And you're going to see each other again. So you better learn to like one another. Huh? You have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward of our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of one another. In Christ, we are able to look past 
the failures, the imperfection of one another. And we are able to gaze at the beauty in one another because Christ himself has seen the beauty in us. As conclusion, here, let me leave with you three applications. Firstly, the reason why we need friends. We are made for friendship. We are made for friendship and we cannot survive in this world without friends. There is wisdom in choosing very wisely here. Secondly, the method that we use to make friends or to forge friendship. We must discover people who are like-minded in our faith. So like it or not, we need to have friends who are of the same faith. That is what keeps us going in our faith. That is what keeps us growing in our faith. People who truly cherish the absolute truth of God. And finally, we must acknowledge where the power comes from. It is not out of sheer will, friends. It is out from the divine power that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our truest, truest friend. The reality of that fact, of that truth, then can help us to be true friends to one another. So as you leave uh, the service today, keep in mind this. It is not just about how I can have friends, but it is also as equally important as how can I be a true friend to others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you no longer look at us or you no longer regard us as mere servants, but as your friends. And it is in the Trinity that we find the, the reality of what friendship is. So I pray, O oh Lord, for the young people here, for the youths here today, and also for the rest of the church in Trinity. Help us, O oh Lord, to look past the scale that is in our brother's eyes and to recognize the log that is in our eyes. So the Lord, you may deal with us in order that then we may be true friends to one another. As the world looked upon us, they will witness the love that we have for one another and praise you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, we praise God and we thank.